I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where the band doesn't take requests and jumping on stage won't change that in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 103, which begins with Max climbing around on the doof wagon, and it ends with Max slamming a polecat's head against the back of the tanker. Joining us this week are two of the people who prove that we have friends outside of podcasting. It's returning guest Nathan Porter and new face Jenny Rist. Hi, how's it going? Hi again. That's, that's Jenny, and the other one was Nate, not the other way around. <laughs> we hang out with you guys probably the most out of all of our friends, and I just love that we were able to get you in on this project to show the people out there in the internet that it's not just other podcasters that we hang around with. We are normal people. Oh, definitely. I have no idea what I'm doing, so <laughs> I'm totally winging this. I can only say I've been on a podcast because I was on your podcast once. <laughs> You get honorary status from that. If there's a punch card, you've got at least one chunk out of there. Yeah, I mean, I got to go for like most guest appearances at some point. We'll see how that goes. Are those punch cards available? Can you make? We might have a box of them somewhere. I I like to collect tiny things, so that would be really awesome for me to have. We haven't actually had to pull out the punch cards in a while, so they're (laughs) probably lost. (laughs) It will have worn you there. You don't have to admit that. It's fine. Yes, they're downstairs. Oh, yes, definitely. I see them right now. Great. (laughs) Now, speaking of seeing things, Mm. when we said, hey, you guys need to come on, Mm -hmm. Jenny, you had never seen this movie before, and you sat down, watched the three minutes, and... Okay, like, where okay. were you coming from with so this? So I originally wanted to come in and just give you guys my thoughts and perspectives on seeing three minutes of this entire series and nothing else. I thought it would have been fantastic. Still maintain it would have been fantastic. <laughs> but last night I finally went, okay, you know what? I really need to have some more background and some context. So I sat down and I watched Fury Road with a brief 15 or 20 minute synopsis given to me by... Nate over here, who tried to explain the first three movies. I truly wish we could have captured that breakdown. Oh, just, just, uh, just utter nonsense, just, but that's that's fine. I describe Thunderdome. Well, there's a big guy, uh, a tiny person, and Tina Turner. Right, like, and there's a dome, uh, okay. and they fight. Yeah. And sure, yeah, like you do. I'm just picturing yeah. my head, you putting on some sort of Dragon Ball Z voice, and being like, last time on Mad Max, and just going hog wild with just, it. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit, bit of that. Yeah. So then, you know, we put the movie on. Now, my anxiety doesn't love really intense action movies. Oh, so that first five minutes must have been great for you. So I put on, I would say about two minutes into the movie, I paused it and was like, okay, I'm going to need to go find my vape pen and be a little high for this (laughs) because... Otherwise, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it through. So after I was sufficiently medicated, holistically speaking, I was able to muddle through. Because this is the best (laughs) way to describe it. Because the movie itself is, like, the plot is wonderful. The beauty of the cinematography is great, but just... You can't see my hands, but it's up here. It's just up here. The whole f- and one, at one point, I looked over to Nate and I was like, "Is there ever a lull? Like, is there ever like a?" <laughs> and I describe, I'm like, "Chill out." There's a little lull, but then if you thought it was intense before, it goes past that. <laughs> like, it goes way beyond that. And then to bring us right up to this minute, 
that we are discussing this time. I have to say that the whole lead up to the movie, I was like, things are going to be great because I had already seen these minutes, which were leading the plot up to these three minutes. So whatever. The whole entire time I'm watching, I'm like, things are going to work out. It's going to be totally cool. And that was the only reason that I was truly able to get through the entire movie was knowing (laughs) everybody's going to be okay. They're going to beat the bad guys and it's going to be okay. Probably. Oh no. There's someone missing from these minutes that she didn't know about who was not okay. That's true. I mean, those parts definitely made me be like, no. But yeah, those are my thoughts. On the, the movie in its entirety. Okay, someone else talk now. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, what was it like watching Jenny watch this movie? I mean, I was... <laughs> I knew the movie going in. I mean, I've, I've seen this quite a few times, and I know how Jenny does with high-intensity action movies. So I was trying to gauge on a scale of, like... <laughs> Where we would hit medication mode. Uh, I'm going to say two minutes in is like a new high score. But. Okay, in fairness, the first 10 minutes of that movie are way more like, more intense, but they're very intense. Like, I know this is skipping around a little bit, but I just need to highlight that the first couple of minutes of that movie, I felt like the movie was filmed at like a higher speed. It was. Yeah. So just even that in itself was just like, oh, my God. There was a lot of, like, checking in, being like, you okay, babe? You you doing all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. The cinematography right at the start of the movie does a lot of snap takes and sped up, like, transitions and head turns and things like that, which, as you're coming zero into a movie, it's it's zero to 60. Which is great for setting up the pace of the movie in general. Oh, yeah. Not great for someone with anxiety and whose job it is to make sure that people have non-maladaptive behaviors. (laughs) My entire job is to try to make people not be violent with each other. So this entire movie was just me being like, guys, be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Just hands down. Sit and calm down. It just... Sit and calm down. There's a lot of that. (laughs) Julia, do you even remember the beginning of the movie at this point? It's like a lot of flashbacks. Yeah, it's coming back to me. Like a hundred minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, it was a very long time ago. (laughs) Mostly it was just like the jerkiness and the like zoomed in face shots and like eyes darting. Yeah, they they emphasized Max's... Psychosis. Lack of sanity quite a bit just in their, their filming at the start. Even though, and I commented this to you, it was totally a callback to Road Warrior, the way they start off this movie. Like, how much it harkens back to the start of Road Warrior is one of my favorite parts of this movie. It's like if Max had to deal with more than just, like, three people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Max is great, until he's attacked by five different guys with explosive javelins, as opposed to a bunch of wussy little airsoft gun type things. Yeah. Let's face it, those raiders in the second movie, they wouldn't have been able to handle the war boys. They upped their game just a bit. <laughs> okay, so the very first few seconds of this, okay, we got wheels, and then what the actual F is happening? <laughs> Again, this was the first scene of the first time I'd ever seen anything about this movie. This is the representation that I am being And for the listeners. With. Yeah, for the listeners, we've switched from the beginning of the movie back into minute 103, and as I mentioned... This minute starts with Max crawling around on the Warwick. And so the first image that Jenny sees 
of any Mad Max movie ever. In my terminology, this is what I've named him, is red zombie guy with guitar-like weapon? Question mark? <laughs> Why? 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 So many questions. Why does he get to wear red? Why is he the red guy? Everybody else is in black. What's on his face? Why, why is he playing the guitar? He shouldn't be fighting. This is not a priority right now. Put that, like, shredding on the guitar. That's like, oh, I gotta kill these guys. Wait a second. What? 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 Okay, fine. I can accept this and move on with the rest. Then I look behind him and I notice that this entire truck is set up with amp speakers and like trumpets? Trombones? I'm pretty sure those are French horns at the top of the Duke wagon. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's not what I think of when I think of, like, great sound systems. Like, <laughs> I've got two amps in the trunk and a French horn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so please help me understand, like, like, this is, like, people that watch Mad Max are like, oh, yeah, guitar guy. Like, oh, yeah, there he is. Like, is that, like, just to kind of accept it into, like, it's just like a thing? Julia, would you like to fish Jenny out of the deep end? Help! Help me! <laughs> The Doof Warrior. Doof Warrior. As he is called. Okay, great. And this is the Doof Wagon that he is riding on. Okay. Okay. Appropriate. He is a new but beloved figure in the Mad Max universe. Okay. The idea of music isn't exactly new, but it has never been used in this way before. We think that he is a herald Like a, like slash, a drum marshal Yeah, like a like that. Yeah. I saw him very much, uh, and describing the scene when we were watching it, was there's so many callbacks to like Norse mythology going to Valhalla in this movie. He is like the guy on the Viking ship who beats the drum to make everyone paddle harder. I mean, yeah. he's wailing on a crazy guitar instead, but he's filling that role. He is very much. And Jenny, what you can't see in this minute, which you saw because you watched the movie, is yes. that behind him are drummers. And once I saw that and was able to tie it in to this, I was like, okay, that makes a little more sense. But I still feel like maybe he could have been better utilized in a combat sense. But then, Nate, you pointed out that he's blind. How did you get that? Well, his in, eyes are covered, for one. Okay, well, lots of people's eyes are covered in this But in the, ne- in the ensuing bit of this minute that we'll get to, we're going to see what happens when an interaction removes his mask, removes his eye covering. Mm. Should we tell her what the mask is? Yes, please. Oh, yeah. Definitely tell her. The mask is his mother's face. <gasps> what? So, what? Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. So Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> you two are familiar with the Pokemon universe. You're, oh, you're fans yeah. like me. Yeah, this, yeah. Is Cubone? this is Cubone? This is Cubone. Oh my God. He's wearing his mother's face. I mean... I it's guess better than carrying her femur? No, no, no it's not. I'm, I mean, maybe that's what the guitar's made out of. <laughs> we don't know. That definitely looks bone in quality. I thought it was a toilet seat. seat. The main body of the guitar. Oh my gosh, it doesn't is like a actually seat. a bedpan. Aha! I was very close. <laughs> that is technically a toilet. Seat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how the acoustic and gain is on, like, a bedpan. Wait, is there anything even connected to this guitar? This is part of the thing I want to there talk about. There might be. Rig. Well, I think there is because the guitar works. Yeah. The guitar As is both... connected to the speakers, mm. and it does have a line for fuel so that it can flamethrow. Like, the actual prop is both a functional guitar and a functional okay. flamethrower. Uh, isn't gas, like, a commodity? Not anymore. Gas is not Because a of Gastown. Anymore. 
because of Gastown. <laughs> they have rebuilt subtle, a refinery. Subtle name. <laughs> you wouldn't, well, it's about as subtle it, as the bullet farm. Yeah, do you want to guess where they get bullets from? <laughs> <laughs> Is it Bullet Town? No. Bullet Farm, actually. Well, <laughs> that's different. What was your jam? Well, I had two issues with the Doof Warrior and the Doof Wagon in general. Turning to the Doof Warrior, he's on bungees. Yeah. Which is such a good callback to Thunderdome if you think about it. Mm -hmm. But as someone who works in AV, how would you like the logistics <laughs> of hooking someone up to an amp system with running gasoline and the cord running from an electric guitar to the amp system? I think the most important part about making this guitar functional is just giving enough slack in the audio cable so that way it can be pulled all the way out to the full extension of the bungee cord i would argue that if you're running a fuel line you'd want to do the same thing it's just the more things that you have draped in a place the more possibility it is of it getting snagged and when you watch minute 103 specifically with how much slinging and flying around the Doof Warrior does. Like, it's a little concerning that, like, something is going to get snagged. Ah, uh, so you know what you don't see? Is there's, trouble. like, a really small AV guy just, like, tucked behind there, just, like, rolling in excess and, like, letting it out yeah. as, as is necessary. 100%. <laughs> which which somebody's job is on there, like, managing cables totally, the entire time? Totally. There's, there's a war boy with a black t-shirt that just says staff across the back or something <laughs> like that. Crew. Yeah, crew. That's what it is. <laughs> That's his job, is like bungee cord manager. Can you increase the gain on the left French horn, please? <laughs> oh, wait, okay, so how did you know, how do you find out that that's his mother's face? That is... Supplemental material that a casual viewer does not okay. have that's access not, that's to. That's not like yeah. accessible to me just from watching the movie. Yeah. No. Okay, if you I have, have to, to point at anything specific, it would probably be the art book. Okay. I mean, it should be noted that nowhere in the movie do they actually call this guy the Doof Warrior. Oh, yeah, totally. I think no, it's only was, in the credits. It's a total zombie, Ewok situation. Zombie guitar yeah. guy. That's, yeah. that's yeah. Sui guitar guy. And I think we were watching the credits and we were looking for what this guy was the first time we all went and saw it. And that's where we're like, but Doof Warrior? Because <laughs> I think I saw this with you guys the first time we all saw it together. I think so, yeah. The very start of all of this was a friend outing to see this movie. Mm -hmm. That's a callback, right? Yeah. So Max is swinging around on the front of this doof wagon and one of the impurators in the doof wagon decides to pop out the side and take care of this max problem because he probably caught him in a mirror or something like that and i'm not quite sure which is more intense as we're looking at this guy around second four the expression on his face the fact that his crossbow thing has two crossbows mounted on top of each other or the fact that those crossbow bolts have such massive looking explosive charges at the end. I'm not quite sure which is no. more intense. Oh, I think it, it's the intense highlighting that he's done with the makeup on the forehead. Like, that really catches <laughs> the sun just in, like, like I want to buy that. Do they sell that at Sephora? I want that highlight. It's called the Furiosa palette. Oh, I would buy that so fast. Okay, just, Sephora, I want a Furiosa palette. Just... If you're listening, make that happen. I almost feel like Sephora is the wrong company to ask. You'd probably want to go to, like, AutoZone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. We actually know this is Wilton's edible cake spread. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you, yeah, that's the stuff, the, the silvery stuff, right? Yeah, the silvery that, stuff is Wilton's. Yeah, for those of you that have not seen the reviews on Amazon for Wilton's silver cake spray immediately following this movie, you're missing out. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what that is. They're but special. <laughs> that look of intensity is 
I mean, that guy thought long and hard about something he hates before filming the scene. That guy was like, oh, broccoli. Oh. <laughs> I hated stupid green leafy. Yeah, no, that's good method acting right there. I don't know. It looks like he eats his green vegetables. Yeah. He's, he's pretty bad. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Look at that guy. He's all steak all the time. That's it. <laughs> that guy doesn't eat carbs. That's true. If he didn't have a scowl on his face, I think he'd be pretty good looking. Not my type. I like him skinny. No, I like him wide. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> now, this does bring me to one other point I wanted to make about the doof wagon. Look at that expression. Hold on. Pause real quick. <laughs> okay. So when Max sees the Imperator... There's a corresponding amazing expression here. He just pooped his pants. There is no (laughs) doubt about it. We always like to say how Tom Hardy is such an amazing eye actor. (laughs) Oh my God, that's all eye acting. (laughs) And he does not disappoint. Nope. Nope, that is an expression. That is a reaction right there. Like, oh no. Sorry to derail you, Porter. No, no, that's... Shuts it down right there. That is... Wow. He has seen the warrior It looks like googly eyes. It looks like he's just put giant googly eyes in place of his own. Like, 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 here we go. Here we go. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. When Max sees the Imperator, he obviously has a visceral reaction and <laughs> does not want to get blown up. And so what he does is he uses the bungee cords on the Do4U to lean all the way out of the way. And by pulling the Do4U so tightly, it flings the Do4U out into space. <laughs> and as the Imperator climbs up onto the doof wagon the doof warrior flies back in from his far out stretchiness and slams onto max's back and then it's just like this crazy piggyback situation where max is thrashing on the guitar thrashing the the imperator not like music thrashing. i don't know i mean he's he's holding it in a way that he intended to play that guitar he's like oh it's my solo whichever way he's doing it that imperator gets smacked hardcore and flies right off the side of the doof wagon so we don't have to worry about him anymore nope he got his moment to shine in the sun and literally he flew and he too failed. close. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> like yeah. Icarus, the flames scorched him and he <laughs> fell. I mean, it should be noted too, when Max bungeed the Doof Warrior away, the guitar is independently bungee. <laughs> yeah. Like there's whole separate bungee systems working out here. This Telling is you, this is tiny, well thought out. That, t- that tiny A V guy. He's... <laughs> he was prepared. Yeah. He's a hard worker. He he knows what's up. Yeah. That guy's valued. I would note that the flames being shot from that guitar, they are lacking in as much of an oily content as I'd expect to see gas burning. So I say that because the other day, wise me, when lighting a fire, got a little too liberal with some kerosene on the fire <laughs> to, you know, kick it off a little bit. And most accelerants burn very black and dark smoke. So I'm curious what kind of accelerant is actually in the guitar. I think it could be anything because they refine their own crude oil. So all of the various products that come out of that, they have available. Are you saying that like this is an ethanol-free gasoline <laughs> that he uses for his guitar? It's none of that 87% I mean, us mortals from, use. It's from the <laughs> Citadel, so like it's top-notch. Yeah, it's good stuff. You're talking about like the cream of the crop. AV guy was like, no way. We are not putting that crappy gasoline in this guitar. Do you know how hard I work to make this thing work? Absolutely not. And they're like, okay, AV guy, you got it. I love this character you created. I want tiny AV guy. This is excellent. (laughs) We back away from the Doof Wagon for a bit to get this lovely aerial sweeping shot. This is like, visit scenic Namibia. And then, oh my gosh, maybe don't visit scenic Namibia. As the war party narrows down in the canyon here. And I love the fact that 
in a canyon situation, it really doesn't matter how many dudes you have in your war party it's, because only a few file, of them are going right? to be able yeah, to get to the war. Yeah, single double file match. Rig, yeah. Like, like, what's the guy in the back doing? Just like, oh man, just like, waiting for my turn. Here I am. Guess I'm in the war party. Just going to hang Is out back like here. Is it like Mario Party rules? Like, they get like the blue shell at the back that they can throw to the front? No, no. They just get the participant award at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was there. Yeah, you got like the war boy that's like not super into it. He's like, I got the back, guys. <laughs> I'm back here. I'll be here ready. Whatever. I tell you what, you can see in the wide shot as we're zooming in airily on the war party. You've got the Giga Horse out front. You got the war rig after that, the doof wagon, a couple of polecat trucks. And then there is the big 18-wheeler car carrier thing. And it's up here by the front because it was part of a boxing-in maneuver hmm. to capture the war rig. But because that boxing maneuver failed, I feel like the 18-wheeler should have pulled back a little bit because that's the thing that picks up the wrecked cars. So if anyone should be trailing, it should be the thing that's meant to pick up the things that get blown up. <laughs> I feel like I'm not wrong there. No, no, no you're very not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Got to talk to their war coordinator. Yeah. And, and why are you leading with the doof wagon? Like, I know. Same reason you just said. He's got to lead them all into battle with the, like, badass music and but stuff. Does the drummer boy lead from the front or do they lead from the rear? I think they lead from a few rows back, ideally. But right now he's front and center. Yeah. Like, the doof wagon is in position as another remnant of that boxing in maneuver because it is arguably the largest vehicle it's got in some the mass. war party. Like, tallest, at least. As we come back in, we get this lovely little Kilroy hands shot of Furiosa hanging off the back of the Giga Horse. And you could really tell that being stabbed in the side has not improved her climbing ability at all. <laughs> like, she's barely holding on there. And it's not ideal. In what way does getting stabbed in the side improve your climbing ability? Does it ever? Gives you that little extra reach, you know? If your ribs aren't quite together. <laughs> you that extra inch. No? That's not how physics I don't, or, I don't think or biology how... works. <laughs> I mean, we can give it a try, but ribs I don't think... not like accordions. That's not how that works. I don't think a climbing club would appreciate walking in and then, like, stabbing Slicing someone in the up. side and saying, go get it! It's gonna give you more reach! Oh, also, I have a question. Do you guys know, as somebody who knows more backstory, why she doesn't have part of her arm? That is a deeply guarded secret that mm. they have never disclosed. And my suspicion is that they're saving it for a spinoff movie. Good. That they will have the story of Furiosa with two arms, and then at the end she gets it, or in the middle she gets it cut off. You know, that sort of thing, where it's like... The story behind the arm, because there were people doing interviews with Charlize Theron before this movie came out, and shortly afterwards, once people had actually seen it, and they're like, "Hey, um, what's with the robot arm?" And Charlize is like, "I'm not telling." <laughs> I'm assuming that's how Good she part. said it. It's been a while since I've watched those interviews. Yeah. Okay. So the short answer is you don't know. Yes. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> that is a very long way of saying I don't know. But Rick doesn't do to. short answers. <laughs> Now, Max, we cut back to him on the doof wagon, and there is another Imperator that's climbing up. And so he figures, well, you know, swiping the first guy worked. I'm going to just swipe on the next guy, send him flying. And as we cut back to Furiosa, it's lovely that you can see the Imperator that Max swatted flying off the side of the doof wagon. That's some credit to immersive filmmaking, mm -hmm. the fact that, like, they cut to a whole other scene, but they made sure you saw him go and, and, you know, Wilhelm scream away. Yeah. 
So Furiosa is looking at the back of the Giga Horse here, and the door to where Joe is sitting is closed. And so she grabs a thunderstick and just nice light little knock at the back door <laughs> with me, the explosive. Sir. Excuse me. Avon calling. <laughs> They're about as intrusive if you think about it. Yeah. This minute in particular was really, again, hard for the anxiety because you were seeing two fights simultaneously, but they were both like mirrored in each other. So as we'll progress through the minute a little bit, it's like Furiosa throws a punch and then Max takes it in the face and you're like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the flash cutting between the fights here was very well done. It's amazingly well done. Not great for the anxiety, but really well done. Sensing that someone is at the back door, Joe and Rictus flinch and Rictus decides, oh, I better go take care of this. But before we get to see Rictus crawling through that tiny little opening in the back of the Giga Horse, we cut back to Max. And what I love about the shot where we rejoin Max on the Doof Wagon, the Doof Warrior has his hands on Max's shoulders. and He's it's getting a, a massage. It's really quick. It's only half a second. But if you look at the Doof Warrior's fingers, his fingers are going as if he was still playing the guitar. Well, if he's blind, he doesn't really know what he's feeling, right? Exactly. He's like, this guy's like guitar-like. Sure. This guitar is suddenly really bony and feels like shoulders. Guess I'll keep going. That's exactly what he's doing. I mean, I thought it was a sensual massage. I mean, and, and Max looks into it. Once again, acting with his eyes, he's not perturbed by the Doof Warrior's hands on his shoulders. No, he's, like, he's, he's looking to the heavens. He's enjoying this. You pause it just right at second 29, and it's almost like Max is sitting there thinking about something, and the Doof Warrior's like, hey, buddy, you should really just go out for that timeshare. Yeah. You know, you only... <laughs> you only yeah, you get to use it anytime you want, as long as no one else is using it. It's that it is that little like creepy like hey. It's better than a hotel room because you technically own it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting more of like a Titanic vibe, like <laughs> Jack roasts. It's, it's nice. It's a good moment. Well, that moment is kind of ruined because Max throws his elbow into the Doof Warrior's face and sends him flying back towards the wall of speakers, and it knocks off his mom's face, and we get it revealed that not only does the Doof Warrior have just terrible English teeth, mm -hmm. sorry, England, not sorry, mm -mm. but he also has no eyes? Yeah, they're like fused. There were like, never any the, eyes there. Oh, that's it. He was born without eyes. Yeah. Or if they are, they're behind a really nasty wall of skin. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the opposite of that song, Eyes Without a Face. Face <laughs> Without <laughs> Eyes. Yeah. I wonder if he knows that one. He'd play that on the guitar. <laughs> but this also tells us that working for Joe, the dental plan is crap. <laughs> but. The vision plan is non existent. He's got nothing. <laughs> he's got nothing because he can't see. <laughs> he's. Yeah. It's a yeah. good view of the Doof Warrior, it's although good. his hands are, are very nicely tanned, whereas his face is not. Well, his is... face is usually covered. True. No, it's, it's an interesting well, yeah, thing. None... His, his, his hands are always out playing the guitar. None of the, none of the other war boys are covered, and yet they're, like, super, super pale. Isn't, are, they like, are they, like, albinos? Oh, they're definitely they're... painted. They're painted. Well, okay, it's a combo. It's... Yes, the active war boys are painted white. Yeah. They're also sick. They all have cancers of various sorts. Right, because of crazy and breathing, yeah. right? That's kind of what I gathered. Well, I also know, just general breathing. radioactiveness. Yeah, oh. everything's radioactive. Yeah. Because the here, world everything was hurts. nuked. <laughs> right. They talked about the uh, sour water. Right. The mothers. Right, right. We have supposed in the past that it's 
not so much like an oil paint, but more like a chalk dust type thing, so that if you would lick a war boy, it would taste like an antacid. Do you think about licking war boys often? Well, it's... capable does. <laughs> yeah, it all depends on what character we're talking about. <laughs> That's a good point. You dip them in water, they fizz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Jumping back into the minute, real quick. During this particular fight... <laughs> Again, sorry. Again, some freeze frames of faces are During this particular classic. fight, Max's attention is elsewhere. He's looking forward to the Gigahorse because he can see what Furios is doing. And he wants nothing more than to be up there with her, helping her. Yeah. He knows what condition she's in. He knows that she probably can't do it by herself. And I was struck by the level of teamwork and caring. Like concern. Concern. Mm -hmm. Genuine concern that I don't think we have seen him show since Jesse. I don't think he has been that attached to another person since Jesse. No, I don't think so. And again, I want to reiterate, I do not mean that in a romantic way. Like, I never got that vibe through the entire Nope, and no, I've pointed the out they movie. never go that way. Even though there are moments that they could have gone that way, they chose not to. Which in today's filmmaking is phenomenal. That yeah, they didn't it is. paint her as like the romantic partner. She was her own person and needed him for nothing other than a partner to get through this stuff to beat the bad guys, but not in a romantic sense. That yeah, one of the best parts awesome. is that two badasses like just recognizing and acknowledging each other's badassery is one of the best parts about the Max Furiosa dynamic. It's not romantic. It's just complete recognition of equal peers of people who understand the wasteland. What's the movie? Is it Predator, where you get Schwarzenegger and the other guy whose name I can't remember, and they greet each other and they do this like bro high five handshake thing, and they like flex, and you get yes. like just the close up. Oh, that's the one they make the meme about all the time. Yeah, the, the bicep meme. Is uh -huh. it Carl Weathers? I want to say. I'm, I'm I have horrible the faintest. With actor it's been a while. You're the, sitting in front of a computer. The dudes from Predator Minute would know, but that's their show, not mine. So I'm not going to like, <laughs> I'm not going to cross pollinate there. I'm just saying you're right that there should have been like a bro five yeah. between the two of them. Like metaphorically, that's what was happening between yeah. Max and Furiosa. A bro five and flex moment where they were both awesome. But Julia, like you said, Max's focus is elsewhere. And so he hops down from the Do Four Year stage using the Do Four Year's guitar to soften that fall, I guess. And it flings back towards the Do Four Year's hands. And as soon as he's got his mitts on it, he starts playing again. <laughs> and smiles because his guitar is back. Yes. And it's oh, really look, convenient. They caught a bug. Look at that. The top of that car is a bug. One thing that's really nice about the Doof Wagon is that it's following close enough behind the tanker that Max is able to take a flying leap off the front of the Doof Wagon and actually hook himself onto the back of the bug. And that's great for Max, except that a Warboy and a Polecat also jump onto the tanker. And while the Warboy doesn't last too long, he takes maybe like one kick before he falls off, the Polecat grabs Max and we just see his hands disappear from the back of the tanker. And we cut to the war rig, because no Max. He went out of shot, so he doesn't matter anymore. Exactly. Right. We gotta go check in on the ladies. I do want to jump in. As we leave the doof wagon, I wanted to circle back to my final issue with the doof wagon. Okay. That many amps take a lot of power. A car's alternator and battery <laughs> could not handle that many amps running simultaneously. So it must have its own dedicated source. I would think that... And guy, man. It's, it's funny, you. we're actually looking at a frame of it, and it's my theory now that behind the cab of the truck, there is what appears to be a secondary engine. 
Oh, I fully believe that that is the engine specifically for the speakers. Yeah, I, they, they make reference in the movie to the war rig having two engines. I'm now convinced that the doof wagon has two engines, but the secondary one is just to drive all of the amplifiers. Okay. Just wanted to get that out there. It was bothering me. <laughs> he told me that last <laughs> night and I know nothing about cars. I'm like, yeah. So, yeah, that alternator. Oh, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, again, out of context, I see this scene, and I'm like, oh, that lady is dead. That lady is super dead. But then the question became, like, how long has she been dead? <laughs> Are they just toting around a dead body? Because, admittedly, come on, look at her. She looks like she's been dead for, like, weeks. I love your nickname for her when we were texting about this. Oh, dead before grandma? She- yeah. yeah. Dead, dead grandma. She was very sad when dead grandma became dead grandma. Yeah. When she got hit in the neck with a chainsaw. Hedge trimmers. It was a hedge trimmer. Freaking hedge trimmers. That still bothers me so much. And Julia's over here like, oh, hedge trimmers are perfectly fine. Hedge trimmers are perfectly fine. Have you seen anybody in this movie get killed by a chainsaw? Yeah. The dude who got a chainsaw across his chest that knocked Max off the side of the war rig before he was hanging upside down. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's fine. But like one guy clearly got the better yard tool. And one guy got kind of... I mean, I will say that hedge trimmers look far more intimidating than a chainsaw. But as someone who has used both tools, one is much more effective than the other. But you're not trying to saw through a tree. You're just trying to get down to arteries. And it really doesn't take that much pressure. It really doesn't. Honestly, with the keeper of the seeds here, her skin is so thin and weathered that... Oh no, just the opposite. Old ladies, their skin is literally leather. So it'd be harder. Yeah, as somebody who's had to give IVs to old ladies, man, you have to shut and then, no, it's leather. (laughs) It is leather. You need need a head trimmer to get through that kind of skin. I stand by my opinion that a hedge trimmer is a perfectly fine post-apocalyptic weapon. I mean, I'm going to continue disagreeing with you, but what should be noted about how hedge trimmers work is they don't slice quite in the way you think they do, because instead, it's just two moving parts back and forth. And it almost pinch cuts everything, which I would say on an old lady's neck, it's definitely going to pierce it. That's, you know, you get those blades around it. It will, it will pierce it and it will leave a nasty wound. But that's not the question. The question is, is it a good post-apocalyptic weapon? Yeah. Considering that some people just wield chains and blunt sticks in this environment. I mean, if you get a hedge trimmer, you're, you're one up. It's an upgrade rather than like a stick. You yeah. know? It's drawback is that it does require fuel. And most are made to use power now. Most of them are electric because you just get old dudes that can't they carry have around. Electricity a... in this world, this is, there's no plugs here, sweetie. And, and that's my curiosity: is uh, I didn't see a gas tank on that head trimmer when she got cut. It was he on was the wearing pole. it on his back. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, they do technically have electricity because like they can run engines and and things and like that, that. That generates electricity. Generates electricity, but it's not like they're just running one ten volt outlets everywhere in the citadel and you can just plug in your Does iphone and charge it for a while coming off the pole cat wagon like <laughs> i need a 50 foot extension cord please why no. uh, my hedge trimmer now getting off of the hedge trimmer which is just so infuriating to me for some reason and getting back into the minute proper the focus of this shot right around second 39 is the keeper of the seats she is just dead as all can be she's not going to be doing any more crazy eye stabby things like she did before. She is properly dead. She shuffled off this mortal coil. She is now an ex-grandma. 
to make a Monty Python reference, and I wish I knew the rest of that bit, but I don't. So moving on. (laughs) Everybody in the rig is looking at her. But because of the way this movie was shot and edited, we've got to remember that there are certain things that you're supposed to focus on in a scene and then keep that focus on to the next scene. So switching back to looking at Max slipping off the back of the tanker, you've got his hand and then the Dew Warrior is right up above that hand and that's off to the right half of the screen. When we switch over to the rig, our focus is still on the right half of the screen and we see Jillian, the Dag, and Cheeto looking to the left to the Keeper of the Seats. And so that draws our eye to the left. But if you keep your eyes on the right half of the screen, you can see Cheeto getting to a point where she's made a decision. She takes her little headband off. She starts pulling off her little shawl and vest thing because she's got this course of action in her head that she's going to execute. And we cut away from that real quick to see Rictus climbing through this hole, big guy in a little hole type of thing. That would have been a great moment to like just KO Rictus instead of letting him come out all backpacky and stand up. But the important thing here is that Cheeto is now out on the hood and she is shouting out to Rictus for him to take her away. How'd she get out there that fast? There's a hole in the top. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. half the roof is missing. Oh, yeah. true. Yeah. True. But Julia, you've been looking forward to this moment for a while now. I have. Mostly because I know that analyzing minute by minute, you see so many more things. On first watch of the movie, and frankly, second watch, I didn't really catch the attitude with which she leaves the cab of the war rig. That determination on her face. That she was thinking, she made a decision, she took a course of action. So upon first viewing, I was like, oh, she's being weak. She's going back to where she perceives that it's safe. And I knew that that wasn't true because you told me. (laughs) So I was looking forward to seeing that for myself. And I absolutely did. Seeing it slowed down and paying attention to one thing at a time. Absolutely, you see that she has a plan and she's not betraying the sisterhood or anything. (laughs) Well, and you see that the catalyst is having grandma die is like oh stuff just got real yes okay and this this is no longer okay this is no longer what i want i'm done and you see that you see her check out in that moment and this isn't the first time that someone in their party has died and i think it's a credit to cheeto's character that it took her a while she didn't feel that determination when ang herod died that broke her in a different way And the deaths that have been happening so far in this particular fight, in this chase, the Volvolini, haven't been right in front of her. So seeing the Keeper of the Seeds, who is someone who has acted rather Mm grandma-like to them, has been teaching them, has been by their side since they met, seeing her die right in front of her was absolutely that catalyst. To basically say everyone is fighting and dying and I'm just sitting here. There's got to be something that I can do. And so to the outside viewer, oh, look, Cheeto, she's running away again. But to folks who focus on her in that last shot and keep an eye on her as she's doing this, you realize, oh, she's got something up her sleeve. She's not wearing sleeves, but there's something up her sleeve. There's a different motive to this one. And I love that she takes off the trappings of the Vuvalini because if she wants to go back to Rictus and say, hey, take me back, she wants to play the part. Mm-hmm. And it's harder to do that if she looks like she belongs with the Vuvalini. Now, Max has not fallen off the back of the tanker. I don't think anybody thought that he would. We just had to step away from him for a while. He grabs this polecat that pulled him off the back and he pretty much plays whack-a-mole with him a couple of times. 
before tossing him off and letting him go underneath the doof wagon. And at the very tail end of this minute, the last thing we see is the dag who shifts her focus off of the Keeper of the Seeds and looks through the windshield and realizes, oh, hey, what is Cheeto doing up there? That's weird. I should probably do something about that. But we don't see anything because we've reached the end of the minute. So normally when we have guests on, we reach the end of the minute on Monday and Friday and we have you guys do plugs, but neither of you do any podcast stuff. Is there anything else that you would like people who have been listening to this to just go check out? Well, if anyone wants to see what I'm up to, I have an Instagram. It's at NRPorter. And if you want to check that out, I'm posting stuff about recent tattoos I've gotten and random things I make. Latest one, uh, worked with the kiddos and made a birdhouse for Jenny here. I don't really have anything. <laughs> you want to check out the Furiosa yeah, collection at uh, Sephora? <laughs> definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, 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 look at his stuff. It's okay. pretty cool. You know. Sorry, I'm not more interesting than that. I don't have anything to plug. As for us, come back on Wednesday when Rictus goes on a rampage, Cheeto helps Furiosa get on the Giga Horse, and Max continues his track record of picking fights with dudes that are just way out of his weight class. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 103 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.